Before we get started, I want to say thank you uh, to all of you. I don't know if you've noticed today, but I am uh, walking around without a cane and without pain in my feet, and you all take most of the credit for that. Uh, For those of you visiting with us, I have a chronic issue, and my feet get into these places where it's very difficult to walk and a lot of pain, and this family of believers have been lifting me up in prayer the last few weeks, and it's working, and so I really can't thank you enough for your kindness and your love. Um, I was even even a little crazy a few weeks ago. I preached without shoes on, and nobody cared, so thank you. Um, I, I got to tell you, there was, there was this fellow, City Slicker, and as you know, all good City Slickers hail from Chicago. No offense if you're from Chicago, but it's a city, apparently, and uh he was getting caught up in the hustle and bustle of life, and he thought, I need to slow it down a bit. I need to... He decided he was going to go out on one of those dude ranches and uh, be a cowboy for a little while. So he, he did what, what, uh, what every city slicker would do. He, he went and bought him a nice 10-gallon Stetson hat and a pair of shiny boots and some spurs and chaps and like just a whole nine yards, a little bolo kind of thing, and... You know, he went out there, and he appeared as if he belonged in the Wild West. And a day or so after he arrived, he was walking around with one of the ranch hands, and he began to strike up a conversation with him. He said, hey, look at that big bunch of buffalo over there. And the rancher uh, replied, not bunch, but herd. An old fellow from Chicago said, herd what? He said, herd of buffalo, said the rancher. The guy from Chicago says, sure, I've heard of Buffalo. There's a big bunch of them right over there. (laughs) Yeah, some of you will get that at lunch. The rest of you, thanks for playing along. The point of that is so I can ask you this question. Have you ever had trouble getting your point across? Yeah. Sometimes I like to say the English language is the hardest one to translate and understand. Sometimes it's just hard to get your point across and... This got me thinking, you know, in John chapter 6, we see that Jesus is having kind of a difficult time in getting his point across. And I thought, is he getting his point across to us? Or Surely we're not as dense as those people who, who followed around him, and surely not. I hope he's getting his point across because the reality is our eternity depends on it. So as we look at John chapter 6 today, and and I'm going to bounce around through some of that, and so you're just going to have to hang on tight, but as we look through John chapter 6, let that question linger. Is Jesus getting his point across to you? Are you getting it? Here, John shows us that Jesus has the ability to give life and to judge Is his point getting across? I'm kind of giving you the cliff notes. I'm cheating a little bit. It's important stuff. Here in John chapter 6 is another example of what I like to call John's abrupt storytelling, storytelling, if you will. He kind of gets right to the point, so I hope you're paying attention because he starts right off. He jumps in with a miracle in Galilee, actually two miracles. Uh, One, the feeding of the 5,000, which Joe did a great job kind of sharing that with us this morning. And then Jesus walking on water. And then finally it circles all the way back around to Jesus trying to get his point across and teach them the truth of what they just saw. And so before we look at the truth of God's word this morning, though, I'd like for us to pray. Father God, once again, we just come before you this morning. 
And, and Lord, I, I just, I pray that in this, the rest of our time here, nothing will be between us and you. As we look at your word, the truth of your word, we'll see it, we'll hear it, we'll believe it, we'll hide it in, your, in our hearts, and we'll go from this place different than how we came, and we're going to share it with someone else. Thank you for hearing our prayers. I thank you for answering our prayers. I thank you for being a giver of great gifts, especially the gift of your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. John chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 38. I'm going to read through these. And, and so here we go. Uh, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was at hand, and lifting his eyes up, and then seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that all these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii or denarii, would have worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated also, the fish, so much as they wanted. And then, when they had had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Remember that statement right there. Those people said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving him, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, so there's a lot going on here. I want to approach this kind of like a, a written math question. I've actually called this, this sermon the mathematics of a miracle. And, and I'm not real good at math, uh, but we, I do know people who are. And so let's think about this as a written math question, all right? Um, written math questions go like this. If, if Billy has three apples and Johnny has four apples and they put all their apples together, how many apples do they have in total? Okay, see, we know how to do this. Okay, so let's, let's think about it this way. Jesus has 5,000 friends who are hungry. Little Bobby has five loaves and two fish that he offers to Jesus to feed his friends with. I, I don't know if the kid's name was Bobby, but it sounded like a good name for a kid. How much food will they have left over? All right, well, let's break it down. See, you start out with five loaves and two fish, which divides up this way. Five loaves for 5,000 men equals one loaf per thousand men. Or even a half a loaf per 500 men, which, by the way, that would be the equivalent of about half a hamburger bun. Not the top and bottom, but just 
top or bottom. So really be like a quarter of a hamburger bun. See, we're just throwing all kinds of math out here. So half a hamburger bun for 500 men. And of course, then you get about one fish per 2,500 men. So every 500 men get a half a hamburger bun. And then every 2,500 men get one fish, which equals 12 baskets full of leftovers. All right, now, if I didn't know better, I'd say this is that common core math they're getting all our kids to do. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? That, listen, look, look though, at, at, um, at John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Look at this. And this is, this is where the, the, the buck stops here, so to speak. Um, Jesus, here it is. Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And verse 6 says this. He said this to test him. For he himself knew. He himself knew. He knew. He knew what he would do. Jesus already knew that there was a boy among them who brought lunch. Jesus already knew that he was going to ask God to bless this boy's lunch and feed these people. I want to make notice of this boy for a second. All right. This boy had five loaves and two fish. And in the eyes of most of those people in that crowd, this young man was probably looked upon as a nobody. He didn't stand out in the crowd. He was probably poor, was more than likely very low in importance when it it was compared to some of the, the rich and holy and powerful people who came around to see whether Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. You remember that verse? I said, remember this verse? All right, there were people there. But this young man had something that most of the people in the crowd didn't have. In no particular order, I added them up. I did my own math. First off, he had lunch. Nobody else had lunch. I'm a closet prepper. If I had more money than cents, I would have all kinds of preppy stuff. Not prepping stuff, not preppy stuff. I would have all kinds of prepping stuff. And not for like zombie apocalypse, but just for like natural disaster kind of things. All right. My dream house is an underground place where everything I have is safe, including my family and all of you, okay? I'm a closet prepper. You don't go out into the wilderness, and just so we're clear, the wilderness is anywhere that takes you outside of home where there's not a Circle K or a Walmart or something like that. These folks know this. They live this every day. They went out into the countryside with no food. You don't do that. You don't just leave and go with no food. But they did. And this young man had something they didn't. He had lunch, first of all. And then he brought with his lunch a big pocket full of generosity. Because he was generous with what he had. He also had faith. He didn't look into his lunch bag and then look at Jesus. And then look out at all the people and go... Yeah, there's not enough in here for everybody. I could split it with you and we'd be okay. He he didn't say that. He was willing to share. And again, I want to emphasize, he had faith in Jesus because when he was brought brought before Jesus, he put his trust into Jesus. He gave him his lunch and he willingly turned over to him all of his loaves and fishes. He didn't didn't break off a little corner and, 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 you know, uh, I don't know, a fin. He, He didn't... He, he didn't try to make his own little sandwich. And, hey, how's that for an offering thought? This young man gave to Jesus all he had brought with him that day. And he did it with a sincere and joyful heart. This boy was the only one that day who brought an offering with him. He was the only one who gave something to Jesus. Everyone else was there to take something from the Messiah. 
Now, I don't, I don't think that he left his house that morning going, oh, I can't wait to give Jesus my lunch. I don't think that's how it went down. But when he was called on, he was like, here, you can have it all. He freely gave all that he had. And this young man absolutely had no idea what he was about to witness, which I think is, I love this story. I keep telling you guys I have favorites. And like every week I'm like, I told somebody this morning, I'm like, I'm excited to preach this sermon. They were like, you said that last week. I said, yeah, but, but I was, but I'm really excited to preach this sermon because this little boy is just like, here you go, Jesus. It's all yours. And he had no idea what he was going to experience that day. No one did. But needless to say, the things that happened that day would undoubtedly have an incredible impact on this boy's life and should have had an impact on others. Here's another thought about this miracle, too. Jesus is holding this lunch, and he tells the disciples to have all the people sit down, even though there's no food to set before them. And the apostles, as well as the people, they all obey. They're showing tremendous faith and trust in Jesus for the moment. Hey, keep in mind, it was God who also fed Israel with manna every day for 40 years while they were in the wilderness. I think some of these people would, would remember and know these stories. And here's someone who says they're the Messiah, and he's just been given a bag of, of lunch, if you will. And Jesus looks up to heaven to his Father. And in a statement of complete faith and trust, he gave thanks to the Father. And then the food was distributed from the hand of Christ to the hands of his disciples. And I think that's a neat story. See, here we have the bread of life. It's been given to us by God, and it's on us to go and give it to someone else. J. Vernon McGee, in his commentary on the book of John, wrote this concerning the miracle of feeding the 5,000. He says, something to remember is this. Everything comes to us from the hand of Christ, regardless of whoever brings it. It is the Lord that sends them. He distributes to those who distribute to others. In distributing the bread of life to those that follow him, he makes tremendous use of his followers. For his followers are the servers at Christ's table. And that's not just in this room. It's when we leave here. Folks, you need to know that our Lord is all too happy to feed you each and every day. Not so much with the food that your physical body requires every day, but with the spiritual food, the type of food that you're going to need to gain eternal salvation and to achieve eternal life. Listen, the question is, are you willing to clean the plate that is set before you? Or are you going to complain about what's on it? We can feast on his word or we can complain about what it asks us to do. You see, when the meal was over, and let me just tell you, they feasted. And when the meal was over, they filled 12 baskets with leftovers. I think that's amazing. That's my, again, that's my favorite part of the story because they filled 12 baskets with leftovers. It's evidence that not only that they were fed with real food out of these five loaves and two fish, but they had all they could eat. That I, I kind of think about that when, when the they were, Israelites were in the wilderness and they were complaining about not having meat and God said, oh, you want meat? Here's quail. And it was like quail for days. It was quail that was like waist deep. And it was all the quail they could eat. And they probably got sick of quail, more sick of quail than they were of manna. And it's the same thing. Where are we going to get something to eat? And Jesus is like, I got this. Here's bread. Here's fish. And then he says... Pick up the leftovers because we don't want anything to go to waste. First off, who brought 12 empty baskets? <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but 12, 12 empty baskets. Somebody thought, I'm not going to pack a lunch, but I'm going to bring an empty basket. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's 12 empty baskets. They filled up 12 baskets. Each person ate as much as they wanted, and everyone was full. Do you see how large the divine bounty is when you follow the Lord? It not only fills the cup, the cup runs over. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. It's only Jesus that can feed us with the truth of his word. Now, I'm going to jump ahead. But before we get to verses uh, 22 through 38, you need to know, they get on a boat, the disciples do, they head over. uh, There's a storm. Uh, Jesus walks out, he gets in the boat with them, and immediately the boat comes to the next shore. All right, you need to know that as we go into the rest of this. And if you don't believe me, you you can read it. I just needed to... To, to skip through that. And, um, and I'm going to come back around. Just so you know, you'll need to come back. Well, we're going to talk about verse 20 and 21. But right now we're going to go straight to verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea. Okay, so they left. Those are the people he left. He, they, they were across the road, the way now. The crowd that was left on the other side of the sea that had been there, or excuse me, saw that there had, there had been only one boat there. Um, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So they're, they're putting two and two together, okay? Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are asking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And verse 28 says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And right here I go, what? Were you not just there? Twelve full baskets left over? You you didn't remember that? So they said, Sorry, I'm bouncing around. Stay with me. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. And I'm thinking, yeah, Jesus just fed you bread and fish. And you're, you're already missing it. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now listen closely to what Jesus says next. It's verses 39 through 42. He says this. And this is the will of him who sent me. In case you're wondering. That I should lose nothing. Of all that he has given me. But raise it up on the last day. For this 
is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about it. He just told them amazing news. And they were like, yay, we ate and we believe and you're the bread of life and you're awesome and we're going to... No, he told them amazing news and they grumble about him. That sound familiar? They grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, this, is this not Jesus? The son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? They weren't asking that question when he was feeding them. They weren't asking that question when he was giving them bread and fish. But now all of a sudden he tells them some truth that they can apply to their life. And they're like, whoa, who are you? You're just Joseph's son. Who do you think you are? I love the Gospel of John. I love how John blends everything together to just show us very simply how amazing our God is. Think about this. We look back to John chapter 2. And John performs his first miracle. Okay? We see him changing water into wine. And then here we are in John chapter 6. And Jesus performs a feeding of bread to a crowd of possibly eight to 10,000 people total. And in both instances, where the, the water servants were the ones that witnessed that miracle, and in this one, this huge crowd, they, they witnessed the ordinary turned into the extraordinary. They witnessed water turned into wine. They witnessed five, bread, five loaves of bread and two fish turned into a, to an amazing meal where everyone was full. And in both instances, they see the ordinary turned into the extraordinary. As I read through John, I had this thought. I was like, you know what? Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. And then here, a few days later, he feeds bread to all these people and says, I am the bread of life. Do you see it? Are you getting the point? The bread and the wine, these two miracles are not just Jesus doing something unique. They're symbols of God's gifts in Jesus. We paused earlier and we had a little piece of bread. We had a little cup of juice to remind us of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And his first miracle was turning water into wine. And shortly after that, he gives bread to over 5,000 people. And I sit there and go, wow. Jesus is providing not only our physical needs of food and drink, but our spiritual needs. But do we see and understand it? You see, on the surface, there's a lot to these two miracles. Jesus is supplying gifts to meet the full range of human needs. But under the surface, there's so much more. Do you remember Exodus? The book of Exodus, it's back, it's in the beginning of the Bible, the Old Testament. The Israelites were wandering around in the desert. They had just come out of, of being in captivity uh, from Pharaoh, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty. And they grumbled, and they complained about not having enough water, and God gives them water from a rock, and He gives them bread from heaven, and then Jesus says to them, I am the bread from heaven. He says that to their Uh, their offspring, if you will. Even before the desert, though, God controls the sea. He separates the water and leads the Israelites to safety at the Red Sea. And even after these miraculous events, the people are still grumbling. And here Jesus does the same thing. And when he approaches the boat, he calls out to the disciples. This is what I told you. We're going to go back to verse 20. He says, I am. Do not be afraid. What's going on here, folks, is this. You remember God's name? Yahweh? 
meaning I am, or actually it means I was, I am, I will be. Jesus is here claiming to be that same God. I am. Do not be afraid. This fact that Jesus is claiming to be God, it's, hard, it's a hard teaching. So hard. Even the translators for the Bible translate the walking on water event. They translate it, it is I. If you, if you look at your, at your Bible right now, it, it's, um, it's chapter 6 and it's verse 20 um, and, and 21. And, and there it is, verse 21, 20 and 21. It's on page 36 if you have the ESV Bible that I have right here. Uh, he says, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. While I'm studying that, the Greek is clear here. It's, in the Greek, Jesus says, I am. He says, I am. I'm the same God that led your ancestors to safety. Do not be afraid. I am the same God that fed them in the wilderness. Do not be afraid. It's translated, I am. I'm the same God that gave them bread in the wilderness. Take and eat. Yet even then, your ancestors died in the desert. I am the same God, and now I offer you not only bread for your stomachs and rescue you from danger. I am God offering you bread that will keep you alive forever. Me. Take and eat over and over again throughout the Gospel of John. Jesus makes this claim. I am the light. I am the life. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the resurrection. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am God. That's what Jesus is saying. And I came so that you might have life and have it to the full. Are you ready to live? Then eat the bread of life. And drink from his cup. Remember what he has done for you every day. As we come to our response time this morning, will you stand with us and consider how you will respond to the truth of God's word today? If you need prayer for something, God answers prayer. It's the truth of his word. Maybe for you it's baptism, forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is that God's asking of you today, Consider how you're going to feast on his word, how you're going to drink from his cup. Will you sing this song and respond accordingly? I got to tell you, I say this every week, but I mean it every week. It's been great to be here with you all, especially this morning to worship with you, to feast on the bread of God's word, to drink from his cup. And I don't know about you, but it's been encouraging. It's been refreshing for me. But right now it's time to go. To win someone for Christ by sharing with them the bread of life. It's time to commit to grow. And by the way, you only grow by consuming the bread of life, by feasting on the truth of God's word. Just carrying your Bible around and never really opening it and reading it and getting into God's word. It's a lot like going to a dude ranch dressed up like everybody else and not knowing what's really going on. As you go this week, don't be that guy. Heard of Buffalo? Yeah, there's a bunch of them over there. Don't be that guy. (laughs) Read God's word. Let him get his point across to you. Don't just look the part of a Christian. Be one. Be someone that follows Jesus, that allows Jesus to change you and stays on mission with Jesus. He's our bread of life. No matter what, he will sustain us. Will you sing this last song with us?